Welcome to the Barnaby Cecil NHS Pensions Podcast. I'm Tom Skinner, Founder and Managing Director of Barnaby Cecil, a financial planning firm working with NHS members in the UK. I'm Emma Walker, also co-founder and main research analyst at Barnaby Cecil. This podcast is designed to address the complexities of the NHS pension scheme and to help members feel clearer about their options before retirement and beyond. Each quarter, we'll record an episode based on the questions you've asked us. If you'd like your question answered, please tweet us at Barnaby Cecil FP or email us at hello at barnabycecil.com. Welcome to episode four of the NHS Pensions podcast. I'm Tom, back with Emma for this one, and today we're going to run through your battle plan for getting your 2019-2020 pensions annual allowance charge compensation forms complete in on time uh, and set up aligned with your pension. So Emma, let's start with the annual allowance, shall we? What is the annual allowance? So the annual allowance is the amount that you can save in your pension within a tax year before you have to uh, pay tax. In personal pensions, the annual allowance is simply the amount that you can contribute in that tax year. Um, However, the annual allowance within the NHS pension scheme and other defined benefit pensions is based on the growth of your pension benefits from one year to the next. And the calculation takes into account your membership in the scheme, your pensionable pay, accrual rate, which differs depending on which scheme you're in, and then factors determined by HMRC and also inflation. And how would somebody know what their annual allowance pension input amount was year on year? So they'd be given a annual allowance pension saving statement by NHS pensions. Okay. And you only get that if you've exceeded your annual allowance 40,000 in a year in in one scheme. So you could have exceeded it in both. You could have 30,000 in one, 30,000 in the other. They wouldn't notify you because you hadn't exceeded the 40,000 in one scheme, but you did you but you would have an excess in that particular year. How does someone get an annual allowance statement and can you get one regardless of whether you've got an excess? So you could request one from NHS pensions by emailing them. Okay. And what sort of things is an annual allowance sensitive to for an NHS pension scheme member? So because the annual allowance is based on the growth of benefits, it's sensitive to anything that causes your pension entitlement to increase. For example, large jumps in pensionable pay. Uh, if your pensionable pay increased from 100000 let's say, to 120000 from one year to the next, you'll have a much larger pension input amount than if your pensionable pay went from 100000 to, let's say, 105000 If you have mental health officer status or added years, so it means you're accruing more membership, this will also result in a higher pension input amount than if you were just accruing the standard one-year membership. Because the calculation also takes into account inflation, you could have two people with the exact same career path and pay. However, if one person was, let's say, a year younger and therefore saw their pensionable pay increase in years where inflation was zero, their pension input amount would be higher than their colleague whose pensionable pay increases fell in a year where inflation was, say, 3%. And this is because when calculating the growth from one year to the next, the pension's starting point for the year um, 
or opening value, as it's referred to on the paperwork, is increased by inflation. And so if inflation is high, there'll be less of a difference between the opening and the closing figures. If inflation is zero or negative, the opening value is not increased by anything. And so the difference between the opening and closing figures will be higher. So even despite the same career path, one person may have to pay tax and the other might not. It just all depends on how your cards fall and it can be down to pure luck. Okay. So Tom, what happened in December 2019? Okay, so in in the run-up to December 19, uh, if you think back to in and around July 19, lots of national newspapers covered the fact that doctors were declining extra work so if they were working a a 10 pa contract they weren't doing any of the wli waiting list initiative work and then this was being fed back up through the food chain from ceos from medical directors back to the powers that be coming into a winter and the nhs struggles every winter to cope with the with the demand placed upon it and so this meant that uh, many waiting lists would be beginning to to grow because people simply weren't doing the extra work or were declining work or were retiring or were uh, were dropping work so they were perhaps um dropping their PAs um and it was just just causing a a, a level of disgruntlement and and uh, concern um, among senior NHS members because of the lack of understanding of where they would end up at the end of the year and, and whether they could have a very, very significant tax charge. So in the run-up to a general election, uh, uh, Boris Johnson said to members of the, of the scheme, vote for me and I will ensure that there will be no tax paid by anybody in this year. We'll cover the year and then we'll address it uh, if in power at the next budget and that he did by raising the threshold level from 110,000 to 200,000 and so therefore an income below 200,000 would mean a full annual allowance of 40,000. The compensation scheme Emma who does it apply to? So the compensation scheme applies to anybody in England and Wales who have got a tax charge in the 2019-20 tax year. It only applies to tax within the NHS pension scheme. So if you happen to also have a personal pension, you can't elect for that tax to be paid. Okay. Okay, we also have had some tweets asking some questions. So let's start with this one. Tom, uh, the best guess as to how the government will get their money back. That's from Rob Llewellyn. I mean, I, I mean, this is a, a drop in the ocean in terms of uh, what this will, will cost relative to the cost incurred from the pandemic. None of this has to be paid for now because the only the debt is covered when you retire, when the individual retires, it's it, or, or, or claimed against the scheme when you retire. So it's something that can get kicked down the road. Um, but in terms of off-subject, in terms of how the government could reclaim or increase its tax revenue is probably a better way of, of describing it. You'd have to think that capital gains tax, which is 20% on most assets for higher taxpayers, uh, you could see could see that increase and normalise alongside income tax. 
you may find that dividend tax, which is 7.5% for individuals up until their uh, basic or through their basic rate band, so people with companies may see a normalisation of their tax. So those two would be the most obvious, I would guess. Okay, from uh, Deck Doc, we have, do these arrangements apply in Scotland? Uh, decision taken by the English government uh, and the Scottish government t- decided not, not to. From Steve Glennon, he asks, uh, with the McLeod implications, will uh, the scheme pay election and or the annual allowance compensation form need to be resubmitted once members make their McLeod decision in many years? I mean, that would be a decision for the scheme itself as to whether or not, whether or not you had to then resubmit the paperwork but what we definitely know is that if depending on what what your decision is pending the cloud mcleod judgment whether you elect for the reform or the legacy choice into 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 how into how you want your benefits up until 2022 to have accrued and which scheme you want those benefits to go into then unquestionably that will change your annual allowance figures during that period because you'll have a different accrual rate for each scheme and so it's whether the systems and whether nhs pensions chooses to amend their figures but yeah that is a a very complex matter and and, uh, we await to see how that will be addressed but it could be that they just write out to you and say you've now got to resubmit your your paperwork quite possibly great so i think emma's got some key dates now for you so let's run through those emma Okay, so uh, to apply for this free year, you must uh, submit a scheme pay election form to NHS pensions before the deadline of the 31st of July 2021. And this will be followed by an annual allowance compensation form, which must be handed to your payroll department for completion before the deadline of the 31st of March 2022. If you need to make a change to your scheme pay election, you'll have until the 31st of July 2025 to amend it and you can do this by submitting a new form which is the scheme pay election form and ticking the box which states that this is a change to a previous election. Excellent Um, so just a couple of quick things to add there I think in reality most people when they've completed their SPE2 form the form that declares you want to scheme pay most people will get the lot done at that stage and, and will complete and fill in the compensation form at that same time because you're just transferring the numbers across into that second form but the difference being one just goes straight to nhs pensions and uh, we'll tell you how to do that in a second and the second one has to go to your payroll department first they fill in their bit and they're saying that you were actually working in the nhs during that period doing the requisite work to qualify for the compensation and they sign it send it back and then that bit goes off to nhs pensions as well so that's probably the first bit to send out so you can send them both in one go get the compensation form over to your employer. On Twitter and uh, following a few tweets from the BMA, there has been some discussion and and a little confusion around the uh, December the 31st, 2020 deadline. So to provide a bit of information around that, we have completed at a guess somewhere between 160 and 200,000 annual allowance calculations since 2016. And I'm not aware of well certainly any of our clients or anybody that we that we've assisted with this has ever had a penalty applied to their paperwork being completed after the January 31st deadline in any tax given year so your April April to April tax year taxes have to be covered by January 31st in the following year like like any form of tax 
And if you declare it on the paperwork and then scheme pay by the following July 31st, even though you've declared it on the paperwork in time, you haven't then covered your tax charge. And technically, they could apply a penalty and interest because of your late payment by July the 31st when the scheme deadline is imposed. The scheme cannot accept an application after that date, although they do now sometimes. And so the December the 31st deadline would ensure that if you scheme paid, that your tax was paid by mid-February, which strictly speaking would still be after the January deadline. And and because of that, um, you've minimised the, the chances of HMRC applying uh, a penalty. And also it's pretty good practice because I think the BM, BMA would probably realise that a lot of forms and a lot of work in some cases needs to be done before July. So the, so the sooner people start getting their paperwork together and the house in order then the better it will be for all their members um, but there's no compulsion to meet that deadline and you would be the first person to our knowledge that would have a penalty applied to if you met the if you got this done by may june for example well before the july 31st deadline yeah i mean in reality nhs pensions are meant to send out annual allowance pension saving statements in october but obviously not everybody gets one and also sometimes people have to request them and then they take three months so getting you know hitting that december deadline is for a lot of people is naturally realistic yeah it may not even be possible so um if i was a member emma and i was i was going to do this myself i didn't have an accountant or if i did have an accountant but they were just processing the figures for me and i wanted to sort of get involved and and they weren't manually calculating the figures as we did they were just processing the data that nhs pensions had sent them what sort of things should i be thinking of and what tools are available to me so the kind of diy option if you will is uh you can use the hmrc annual allowance calculator there is also another calculator available if you're a bma member um so yeah those two and then I'd say look at your pension pay, maybe request annual allowance pension statement from NHS pensions. Yeah, okay. So if you Google HMRC uh, annual allowance calculator, that comes up with their spreadsheet uh, and their guidance notes. And then the two forms that you need are, if you Google SP, SPE2 form into Google, that comes up with the, with the scheme pay form. And if you Google pension annual allowance charge compensation form, that brings up the um, the required form to request the payment itself. So, from a more technical aspect, Emma, now where do things go wrong in the calculation? What are the sort of top five or six areas that uh, and issues that we discover when we manually calculate the figures for people? So, one of uh, the key areas that we see going wrong is um, what's called the best in last three rule, and this applies to the nineteen ninety five scheme. So. Your pension is calculated using the highest pensionable pay figure in the last three years. So if your pay decreases at any point within the last three years, your pension should still be calculated using that high figure. But this isn't isn't always reflected in the annual allowance pension saving statement. So it actually might show an artificially high pension input amount for annual allowance purposes. Um, the best way to to explain this in in um, real numbers is that if over a three-year period your pay went from a hundred thousand and then it went down to ninety five thousand and then it went up again to a hundred and five thousand 
your annual allowance should in in the last year should be calculated using the 100,000 figure and the 105,000 figure. So that's a pensionable pay increase of 5,000. It just crosses out in the middle of the year and ignores yeah, it. Exactly. However, we don't we see annual allowance pension saving statements where this rule hasn't been applied and so the pension input amount for the last year has been calculated using a pensionable pay of 95,000 and then 105,000, which is obviously an increase of 10,000. And as mentioned before, when calculating the pension input amount for annual allowance purposes, the calculation is sensitive to large increases in pensionable pay. So when you have an increase of 10,000 rather than 5,000, suddenly your you know, pension input amount is going to be significantly higher when it actually in reality it shouldn't be uh, the best way to to spot this is if you look on your annual allowance pension saving statement at the bottom of the second page i think it is and look at the table which shows the opening and closing values if you see a closing value in one year which is higher than the opening va- value in the following year then it then it's possible that there has been an error excellent okay um, another thing that we see is that mental health people with mental health officer status and and the the membership being wrong. So assuming you have mental health officer status and you're full time, once your doubling has started, your membership will increase by two years. Whereas we've had one client whose statement was calculated and the, and the membership was all over the place. So in one year, it would increase by one year's membership and then the next year it would increase by three years membership and although they arrived at the correct place um, it resulted in their annual allowance statement being completely wrong and showing a much higher amount of tax to pay than in reality and it doesn't you know even though they arrived at the correct place at the end in terms of membership and in terms of pension they arrived at, at the correct place what happens in the middle, you know, it doesn't equal itself out because the fact that the annual allowance figures are so sensitive to other factors, you know, such as inflation. Um, yeah, so it, so it could work in your favour because if, if they if they if they added three years in a year when the inflation was high, that would that would work out quite well for you. But uh, I remember the client, and it didn't it it, it didn't work out very well. Um, so um, yeah. So another thing that. Um, we look out for and we see going wrong sometimes is the pensionable pay recorded not matching that of the pay slips so with this i'd just recommend looking at your pay slips checking them against pensionable pay figures um, that have been used to calculate your pension benefits and you can find this on your total reward statement Uh, it may be that your employer has reported an incorrect figure to nhs pensions so it may also be worth checking with your payroll department Okay, uh, membership history is wrong. So if you've come out of med school and worked for one trust all your life and then you have come uh, and approached retirement, then it's likely that your membership history will be correct. Where we see it go wrong is the person came out of the NHS and worked abroad for a bit. They maybe had some maternity leave. They sort of bounced around from different trusts. And in those instances, those are where days get missed. Sometimes it's glaringly obvious to the individual as well when they get a pension statement that there's a chunk of time missing. But sometimes it can just be, you know, 180 days here and there, which over time does does mount up. 
most of the time it's correct but if you if that sounds like you if you went and had three years in new zealand or something during your career then that's worth um, requesting a membership statement from them and just going through all those periods and checking them um, or asking us to do it because we add them up as uh, as part of our audit and, and look at it that way and then CA points, another another common one, don't get allocated correctly. So they're always backdated to the previous April, but sometimes they've missed a year and therefore the person has had an inflated pay in one year, which might which might drop off if they're in, in, in section nineteen ninety five and it and it was more than three years before retirement it would drop out and therefore you could end up paying tax on something that you didn't then ultimately benefit from and it and it, and it could have and should have been smoothed out by having it applied across the years that it should have been paid paid into so yeah those are the main ones great um so uh, barnaby cecil tom how can we help so so hopefully that was that was helpful just two more or three three uh, quick points to make when you've got your um, compensation form and your spe2 form ready to go and just pensions have asked that you either post it or email it that you don't do both so they're not setting up an account and, and doing two sets of forms because it'll end up probably in two different departments and it's double the work for them. So the address to send it to is NHS Pensions PO Box 2269 Bolton BL69JS. Uh, and I would recommend that you get it sent by recorded delivery and then just keep a record of it. Or alternatively, send them both to nhsbsa.annualallowance at nhs.net. And another technical point that's, um, that's just come, if your, if your annual allowance figures change, and this may be the case following the reform legacy choice but um if as we had recently an individual they had they hadn't they had incorrectly calculated their annual allowance and it was lower because of uh, of an issue within their pay and this individual decided that because it was lower they could afford to then pay the tax charge themselves and therefore all you need to do all the all the individual was advised to do was to submit a zero sbe2 and then make good the tax owed to NHS pensions. If you discover that you have a tax charge, either either you knew you had a tax charge and now can or want to pay a historical one yourself, or you discover a tax charge, if you if your accountant opens up your tax return, an historical one, and puts it in, the system's really good at applying the interest and penalties automatically to you, and they can be quite significant over time. If that's you drop us a line and we'll explain a sort of a workaway around that so you pay the tax charge and not the penalties and interest on top and in terms of how we can help so what we would do if you request it of us is we will audit all of your pensionable pay history your membership history all of your figures and we'll take everything the nhs has sent you and we will cross check it with what your pay slips are saying so in order to do that we require from you your March 2011 to March 2020 payslips and your current payslip. The reason we the, the March ones are so valuable is because they tell us everything that's happened in that year. We also need your P60s for those years. We, we didn't use to, but now we do because we have to look at all the deductions to see whether your threshold income in previous years is in around the 110 mark. We also need your tax returns for years 2016-17 onwards or your accountant's email address and they'll deal with us and send it across. We need your annual out savings statements, as many that you've got, because we manually create annual out savings statements for you that are correct, and then check them with what the NHS are saying you have. And then we need to sign a letter to talk to NHS pensions 
to request your membership history and also to go through and check the gross and pensional pay that they have on their systems and check those against your pay slips. We have a 48-point checklist that we go through and audit your pension history. So it can sometimes be helpful for somebody who is about to hand in their AW8 form and retire just to get somebody to take a look through the numbers and check that they're they're correct or somebody who just doesn't want to deal with the or if their accountant doesn't want to complete the forms for them maybe you don't, maybe you have an accountant that's not a specialist medical accountant and, and uh, you want uh, somebody to take care of the whole thing for you and uh, to do that we charge 1500 pounds for the service it takes us about i'd say about eight weeks to, to complete this um, and if we've done this for you before we've got we've got 90 percent of your data on our system um, or we do it in future years, then we just charge half of that, so £750. So some of our clients, um, we're just charging that because we've done a report in the past for them and help them with their, with their decision whether to apply for an award or something of that, of that nature. Or if you have your investments with us and we manage those for you as well, then this is all included in part of our overall ongoing service to you at no additional cost. So I think that about sums it up for this episode. I hope that was helpful. And thank you for listening. Thank you for listening and uh, have a lovely Christmas and we'll see you next year. Take care. That's it for this month. If you've enjoyed listening to this podcast, we'd really appreciate it if you could spare a few moments to rate, review or like us because this helps us get found by more people. And please send us your questions for the next episode by tweeting us at FP or emailing us at hello at barnabycecil.com. You can also find out more about us by going to barnabycecil.com And here you can also book a call if you'd like to discuss your own particular question in more detail. Thanks for listening.